A psychotic man pushes the boundaries of science. And then we meet a young teenager whose life takes a turn for the bizarre when he begins dating a teenage Satan worshiper. He really doesn't think it's a big deal. He figures a religion's a religion. And while that may be true on paper, when this young boy is spending a lot of time over at a house full of Satan worshippers, things get creepy. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys had an awesome weekend. Hope you guys had lots of fun. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so let's go ahead and get started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone get on your feet and give a round of applause for Rob. Woohoo! Yeah, come on in, Rob. Rob walking on into Dead Rabbit Command. I wonder what came first. The name Robert or Rob? Or robbery. I wonder which one came first, humans stealing from each other or the name Robert. Because if you think about it, like, people are named after their professions. Was Does the name Robert, I'm assuming it's French, Robert, um, were they a, a gang of thieves? Like, is that where that name comes from, Robert? I don't know, probably not. It's easy to double check. I'm sitting in front of the internet at all times. But Robert, don't steal anything while you're here. You are, however, going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the Patreon. It's totally fine. It really, really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Robert, let's go ahead and toss you a steam shovel. And everyone hop on board the Carpenter Caboose. Robert's going to choo-choo-choo us all the way out, too. Some dude's house. Carpenter Caboose is chugging down the rails. We're headed all the way out to this guy's house. I found this posted online. We don't have an exact location. I have a lot of, well, I would say interesting hobbies. Uh, you know, your mileage may vary. But I, people, long-time listeners of the show, know that I love to look into strange subcultures. I'm into stuff like that. I'm also into, um, for lack of a better term, uh, hipster drugs, maybe? Drugs that are not popular. You got the biggies, you got the popular ones like heroin and crank and crack and pot. But did you know that sitting outside of the cool kids' drug world, there's Imodium AD? If you don't know what Imodium AD is, we're hanging out with it outside. He's like, man, I wish I was cool. We're like, you're, you're cool if you think you're cool, buddy. You're also incredibly deadly people who do this drug the way it's... Imodium AD is an anti-diarrhea drug, but what has happened over the years, is people have figured out, and this, let me be very clear, do not do this. I'm not advocating this at all. What people have figured out is, okay, there's a lot, It's there's a lot of smart people who do drugs. There's an awful lot of smart drug addicts out there. People who have had opioid addictions go, okay, opioids make you constipated. If you do a lot of opioids, 
Even if you just do the regular doctor-recommended amount of, say, Vicodin, you'll become constipated. Opioids make you constipated. Imodium AD is an anti-diarrhea drug. It is a drug that makes you constipated on purpose. And people have said, let's look at the chemical compounds and see if there's any comparison between, say, a Vicodin and Imodium AD. And there is a comparison between the two. If you, and I am not saying to do this, this is not medical advice, it's super dangerous, but people have figured out if you just take the doctor or the box-recommended amount of Imodium, it'll stop you. If you have diarrhea, it will block everything. But if you take, if you basically take 500 milligrams of this stuff, the, the, the recommended dosage is 2 milligrams four times a day. So 8 milligrams. But if you do 500 milligrams, there's enough Imodium AD, there's enough of this opioid-like compound that it will cross the blood-brain barrier and you will get a high similar to an opioid. So people who are having drug withdrawals especially, which when you're on a drug withdrawal from an opioid, you, you could f- hover off the air. You're pooping so much. You could hover off the ground, I mean. You're pooping so much. It's like a little jet stream coming out of your butthole. You can defy gravity. You do nothing but poop while you're in an opioid withdrawal. If you take enough of this Imodium AD, it'll cross the blood-brain barrier, and you will get quote-unquote high. You'll have an opioid-like high. 500 milligrams is also enough to give you a heart attack. That's the big issue. Is like, yes, you may feel good. You may be like, whoa, dude, this is just like the first time I had that Vicodin tablet. But uh, your your heart could easily stop. The reason why I'm talking about this in, in relation to where we're going is that I look into subcultures. I love reading stuff about crazy drugs or off-label use for real drugs. Like, you know, Benadryl causes some of the most potent hallucinations known to man. I, I've always wondered about this. How many times... Because, Doctor, this is a fairly new... It's only probably been in the past couple of years that, that this these reports have been on the internet that you can do a mass amounts of anti-diarrheal drugs and have an opioid-like high. If, even today, it's super rare that doctors are aware of this, but especially a couple of years ago, if you had a heart attack and you were taken to the emergency room, the doctors are going to try to treat a heart attack. They're going to have no idea what you're really having. I mean, the heart attack is caused by a drug overdose of a drug that most people, <laughs> no doctor is going to be like, sir, let's check for his Imodium AD level. You would try to treat the heart attack. You wouldn't realize he was actually having a drug overdose. And he may come in, your patient may come in, and doesn't have anything around when their body is found or when a loved one comes in the room and they're having the heart attack that would suggest that this guy was using any sort of illicit drugs. What has happened is, over the past couple of years, doctors have become a little more savvy to this. But, you know, I've wondered, I, I wonder how many people who shouldn't be having heart attacks have heart attacks, and the loved one goes, it's crazy, he's only 25 years old, and he had a heart attack in his room. <laughs> his toilet is also unused, that's weird as well, his bathroom's spotless. But he had this heart attack, and who would have thought, what happened to him? And of course, that would be the cause of death, heart attack, but no one realized there's 500 milligrams of 
Imodium AD in his stomach. And I wonder how often that happens. I don't think it happens all the time. But it happens sometimes. And the reason why I talk about that is because that segues into our first story here. It's another thing. When I read this, I go, I wonder how often we get a report of somebody killing themselves. And we're like, how could they have done that? Everything was... Well, I mean, everything wasn't perfect, but how could they have killed themselves? I wonder how many times people accidentally kill themselves, if that makes sense. <laughs> maybe I should have told the story first, then you go, oh, maybe that is true. We're in this dude's bedroom. This guy recently posted this account online. He posted on January 1st, 2023. Pretty crazy way to start the new year. He posted this on the X board. He titled this, I stabbed myself in the heart. This guy says he stabbed himself. He's still alive. Not just stabbed himself, stabbed himself in the heart. And he's still alive. And he goes, listen, I didn't need to go to the hospital. The wounds healed themselves. People are like, what are you talking about? Wait a second. If you stabbed yourself in the heart, you'd be dead. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not dead. In fact, I'm better. Okay, actually, okay, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said he changed. So maybe I, maybe I was adding something to it. He changed. He changed. It doesn't imply that he's better. But he does say, actually, he starts it off by saying, my brain feels dead. So maybe better is not the best term to just make up and put in there. He says, hey, let me read this quote to you. This is how he describes life after stabbing himself in the heart. Five times, by the way. It wasn't just a single time he... Tells us later, he says, quote, my brain kind of feels dead, and I think my bones changed. More bones, maybe. That's quite a job. <laughs> I would argue that's better, right? If you had more bones in you, who wants less bones? That'd be dope. You'd have, like, just bones sticking out at random points. You'd probably have some cool horns poking out of your head. I mean, if, if, if that's what it takes, right? It's like, hey, would you like some horns? Would you like to have some cool horns sticking out? Yeah, sure. Okay. Stab yourself in the heart five times. I'd be like, uh, I'll just wear a hat. I'll just wear a hat with some horns on it. My brain feels kind of dead, and I think my bones changed. More bones, maybe. My feces is different. My urine, too. I bleed more easier, yet... It kind of feels like I heal quicker. He also then goes on to state that he no longer has taste buds. And his sperm is different as well. So this guy had a pretty busy afternoon. Because that's a lot of stuff to test. I'm not trying to make fun of this guy. But if I stabbed myself five times in the heart. Or, or even once. Or even a single time. I don't know if I would poop pee and masturbate anytime soon. I think that would kind of take a rest from all of that stuff. I'd be in a hospital bed with a bedpan. But his feces are different, his urine is different, and his sperm is different. What's crazy about this is that if we take this guy at face value, if he stabbed himself in the heart five times, first off, he obviously needs to get professional help. And then you wonder, like, what is he seeing? 
That's another, it's another interesting thing I like to look into is almost like the science of madness. Like, what is he seeing? Is his feces the same it always was? And when he looks down, it's different. He's like, that's weird. It's cube-shaped now. Like, what's going on when he's perceiving this? How does his sperm... How do you even see that now that I think about it? Like, wouldn't you need a microscope to see that? <laughs> he's, all walking, he's, he's walking around this huge laboratory in his bedroom. Do, 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 do. His blood-soaked lab coat. Uh, you would need a microscope to see. But who knows? I mean, like, again, if you were... If you had had a psychotic break, maybe you could just look at your own semen and go, look at it. They're swimming backwards. Like, you can actually... Well, he can't actually see it. It's different, but his mind is... When I'm saying what's going through his head, I'm not talking about his thought process. I'm talking about, like, what can he... What does he see differently from us? If we were over at his place, and he's like, dude, come here, look at my urine. And you looked at it, it would just... I'm assuming there's nothing different with it. I'm assuming it would just look like regular urine. But, like, if he looks at it, is is it like, does he look into the urine and it's like a little picture of a guy shrugging? I mean, maybe it's just a different color. I don't know why I can't take cube-shaped poop. I don't know why I'm taking it to the extreme. I imagine if you got stabbed five times in the heart, your, your feces would look different. There'd probably be a lot of blood in it. I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm not willing to do these scientific experiments. But I just find this... So fascinating. He goes on to say, I mean, like, right there we already have, like, this physiological slash psychotic, the the mind of, of someone in distress. We have that narrative. But then, of course, he goes into the world of the paranormal, because we do see this crossover. The Venn diagram is there. He also says, well, this isn't the first weird thing to happen to me. He said at one point that a spirit... Well, really, not just for one point. For the past seven years, this spirit would keep possessing his body. And he wouldn't have any control over himself. And he says this spirit is constantly trying to morph his body, trying to make physiological changes to his body. And this spirit, this demon is what I would call it, but this demon it tells him that one day, he, not the demon, but we'll just call this guy Chuck, Chuck will wake up and he'll be in a different person's body. He's basically going to get evicted from this body at some point and be in someone else's body. And he goes, I don't want that to happen. I like this body. So there's a a whole lot of things going on here. And it's just, it's so fascinating to me. Like, obviously I want this guy to get help. It's troubling that this happened on January 1st, and because the, the export's anonymous, we'll never get any... We'll never know how this story ends. It could be that he went and, and ended up getting help voluntarily. It could be that a loved one or a family member has him, you know, um, forced, forces him to receive treatment, or it's possible that he has had a tragic ending. And that he's dead. We don't. I know this is kind of this kind of a bummer way to start off a Monday episode, but I just find it so fascinating. And again, like if someone stabbed themselves five times in the heart, and they were found like that, I think most people would go, "Wow, he must have battled depression. He must have had these these issues going on." Or maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's not the go-to thing when someone kills themselves they don't assume that it's because they're depressed but i i guess i always did 
that was the key motivating factor. A lot of times you'll see like this person battled mental illness throughout their life and then they killed themselves. But I always figured there was still like a depression component. They're like, I'm tired of dealing with all this mental illness. You know, like my life is in the end. But no, I mean, I wonder how many people kill themselves because they're just having a full on psychotic break. And it has nothing to do with depression. It has nothing to do with them being sad or having a bleak outlook on the future. But when it's found out that they killed themselves, that's kind of what people assume. But I wonder how many people are like this gentleman who just stabbed themselves one night, multiple times. Now, again, he's he claims that he did that and didn't die. And so you have to think maybe he didn't actually stab himself. He just thought he stabbed himself. But it's it's a crazy story. And then to have that happen and now he's feeling these new physical sensations and seeing these new things. It's it's just the whole story is just so odd. But like the Imodium AD thing, I think there probably are people who shouldn't have heart attacks, having heart attacks and dying and doctors going, we don't know why this otherwise super healthy person would have a heart attack. Same thing like this. You'd be like, I, I can't believe this guy killed himself. Like he just bought a bunch of groceries for his fridge. He just went out and did all this stuff that generally only people who plan on living for at least a couple more weeks do, like paying their electric bill, and he killed himself. So I wonder, again, like, how those... I don't know, it's just super fascinating. It's super fascinating. It's super... I I, I actually was like, maybe this isn't a good topic for a Monday. Uh, It is pretty dark and pretty sad, and we don't have an ending to it. At the end, was he doing it? Was this spirit doing it to evict him from the body? We still have that. It's just fascinating to me all around. Rob, let's go ahead. <laughs> that was kind of depressing, but I find it fascinating. Rob, let's go ahead and touch the keys of the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this young man's house. And as we're leaving, we see an ambulance pull up and some really smiling EMTs are there. We're like, hey, I guess that sounds kind of creepy. They love their job that much. They're like, oh, we're going to grab this guy, take him to the hospital. I I hope this gentleman got the help that he needed. I hope everything's okay. Um, We make sure of that, at least in this fictional telling of it. Robert, take us up, up and away in the carpenter copter where you're leaving behind this man's house. Fly us all the way out to Florida. The year is 2013. And we're in Florida. We're about to meet a young man. He's a 13-year-old boy. Online, he goes by the name CD Project Ivory. We're going to go in and call him Joey. Joey posted this story recently. He goes, listen, I'm not a big believer in the supernatural. I'm not even like a really religious person. But this story's always bugged me. I just never been able to make sense of what has happened and I need to share it with someone. And it's interesting. I was able to look through Joey's posting history and most of the stuff, really everything else I saw was about general life things. They weren't constantly telling these once in a lifetime, once in a million paranormal stories, just kind of normal stuff. And then this one pops up. Joey says, when I was 13 years old, I started hanging out with this girl. And doesn't name the girl. We'll call her Michelle. He goes, we start hanging out, and eventually it's just like my go-to thing to do. It gets to the point where almost every day after school, um, we're hanging out together. 
And because they're hanging out together, because they're hanging out so much, eventually he's hanging out at her house and becomes introduced to her family. And through the course of this, after a couple of meetings, he is told, Joey is told by the family, that they are Satan worshippers. They worship the dark prince Lucifer. And in what might be one of the most real statements that I've ever come across in a paranormal story, Joey said, listen, I'm not a religious person. And when they told me they were saint worshippers, I just pretended. I just pretended to be interested in it because I liked this girl so much. I wanted to keep spending time with her. So by just going, oh man, fascinating. Wow, that's cool. That made the girl feel good, which made Joey feel good, which allowed their friendship to continue. That definitely does sound like something most guys do. He's hanging out of the house. It's a family saint worshippers. From what I can tell, there's a father and there's two daughters. There might be a mother and other people involved, but those are the ones that actually are popping up in the story. We have Michelle, and then we have her older sister, Becky. And then the father. And Joe goes, listen, you know, I, I hang out of the house a lot and don't really believe in ghosts, spirits, nothing like that. But it was odd. Like, you'd be sitting there hanging out with Michelle, and all of a sudden, You'd hear a. Tapping noise. A tapping noise coming from nowhere. I mean, obviously, if you heard that and then you saw a tap dancer walk by, that's no longer paranormal. But this was tapping that was coming from nowhere. And whatever, you know, it's an old house or maybe even a new house. Pipes make noises. Whatever. But then one day, Joey and Michelle were hanging out in her room, and they started to hear the scratching. Scratching noises. Coming, again, would be normal if you looked over and you saw someone sharpening, <laughs> someone sharpening a knife in Michelle's bedroom. The scratchy noises were coming from Michelle's closet. And Joey goes, you know what? It, it, it sounded like a cat. And they do have cats. They do have cats. It sounded like there was a cat in the closet scratching at the closet door to get out. So I got up and I opened the closet door. There's no cat in there. Okay. Close the closet door. Go back to hanging out. Scratch. Scratch. It would come and go. The sound would come and go. And, and they wouldn't check every time. But sometimes they would check just to make sure. There wasn't one of the cats in the closet. And never was there a cat in the closet making the noise. Oddly enough, Joey said, we'd hear the sound of a cat trying to scratch their way out of a closet. We'd open the closet door, there'd be no cat. However, you started to see scratch marks on the inside of the closet door. And they were about as high as a cat could scratch a door. They were never higher than a cat could really stand up on its hind legs and 
scratch to get out. Joey begins to feel uneasy when he's hanging out at this house. Now, this is the house of his... He never specifically says they're dating. He's always talking about them hanging out. So, But it could have just been young love. It could have been kind of feeling out like, what, what is love? The question Hathaway always ponders. He never specifically says they're dating. They do spend a lot of time in her bedroom. But, you know, they could just be... You know, they're 13. They could most likely were just hanging out. Never talks about them kissing or anything like that. He says, though, as much as he liked hanging out over here, he started to feel uneasy. Not, not everywhere in the house. There were most parts of the house he felt fine, but he said there were certain parts of the house that he just didn't like to go into at all. And those places were the garage, which is fine. Kids don't need to be hanging out in the garage. The master bedroom. Again, none of your business. That's where the parents are. And then the restroom. Now we got a problem. Now we got a problem. If you're over at your girl's house, yet her bathroom makes you feel uneasy. Um, hopefully they have a, a nice pit or a big supply of ammonium AD and you don't have to worry about it. This all comes to a head on one day in particular. The scratchy noises, the uneasiness. It all kind of comes to a culmination this day when Joey and Michelle are home alone. Joey and Michelle, they're sitting on her bed. They're watching Third Rock from the Sun, the Arby's of television. I hate that show. Joey and Michelle are watching Third Rock from the Sun. They're just sitting there in the bedroom eating some food and hanging out. You got the house to themselves, being kids, being little teenagers. Hours later, they're doing this for hours and hours. Eventually, they shut off the television. They probably finally realized what they were watching. They're like, oh my god, this show's awful. They shut off the television. Now they're just sitting in Michelle's bedroom talking. When suddenly, they hear Becky, Michelle's older sister. They hear Becky yell out, Michelle! And it was right outside Michelle's bedroom door. They're sitting there in this bedroom, and... Right on the other side of the closed door, they hear Becky go, Michelle! What? We didn't even hear them come home. And it kind of irked them, right? Like, here you are just, just yelling outside the bedroom door. <laughs> Knock didn't even knock before they yelled. Why is she yelling? What's going on? I didn't even know they were home. So Michelle gets up, jumps up off the bed, and she walks over and she opens the bedroom door. There's no one standing there. Michelle looks down the hallways, looks around. Becky's nowhere to be seen. Becky! Michelle yells out. Becky, what do you need? Why are you yelling? Becky? Whatever, Becky, whatever. We're in here. I don't know why you're yelling. If you need something, just knock. No answer. Michelle comes back in the bedroom. Her and Joey are hanging out. And they start thinking, maybe they were mistaken. Maybe they, maybe they both, maybe both of them didn't clearly hear Becky call out Michelle's name. May, who knows what's going on? But anyways, Michelle goes, I'm just going to leave the bedroom door open. Just leave it open. If Becky shows up, she doesn't have to yell again. So they leave the door open. And Joey and Michelle, they're sitting there. They start talking again. 
And only a few moments pass when they both once again hear Becky shout out, Michelle! And he goes, the voice did not call from right outside Michelle's bedroom door. He said it sounded as if the entire house said her name. The cry of Michelle reverberated throughout the entire home. And not only did it feel like it was coming from everywhere yet nowhere in particular, he said it was the exact pitch the exact tone, everything was exactly the same as the first time they heard the voice shout out, Michelle! As if it wasn't a person just screaming it. He goes, it was like someone had recorded the very first time and then just played it again. It was exactly like it was said the first time. It was like someone had just simply repeated audio. And it was now echoing through the house. At this point, Michelle and Joey realize something is off. Not necessarily paranormal, but something is going on. What they think it is, is Becky's pulling some sort of prank. She recorded her voice and she replayed it somehow throughout the entire building. And they believe that Becky is in the house playing with them. So they actually get up. They begin looking for Becky. Because it's irritating at this point. They begin looking for Becky. They go through the house. They look in all the places where you would expect Becky to be. They look in her bedroom. They're looking down the hallways. They look in the living room. And then they begin to look for places where anyone could hide. Not a place Becky would normally be. But some place that if you were playing hide and go seek you would go there closets, things like that, and Becky is nowhere to be found. And still, believing this to be a prank, still believing this to have no paranormal origin, because remember, Joey doesn't believe in the paranormal anyways. All the weird things that he's sensed in the house, he's just like, it feels uneasy, I don't know where the scratching's coming from, whatever, whatever. Michelle and Joey both go back to her bedroom. Just whatever, we're just going to ignore it. Who knows what Becky's up to, but... An hour or so later, they hear the dad's car pull up. They look out, they see the dad's car pull up. And out of the back seat steps Becky. Becky gets out of the back seat and begins walking in the house. Joe and Michelle kind of look at each other like, what? Like, we know she was in the house. We know she was in the house. We don't know how she was able to disappear into thin air. But we know she was in the house. And... At this point, Joey and Michelle are more pissed off than curious. They go downstairs, and the dad and Becky are walking into the house, and they say, "What? What? Where were you hiding? How did you pull this off? Where you were yelling the name and stuff like that?" And Dad's like, "Dude, I'm just walking through the house. What in the world is going on?" And they start confronting Becky, and Becky's like, "I've been with Dad since six in the morning. We've been shopping all day long." And they're like, "No, you were playing this prank on us." We heard you yelling out, and we searched everywhere for you. And when they said that, Joey noticed Becky's face just went white. When they said, we were searching everywhere for you, her face kind of went white. 
But the dad now jumps in and he goes, listen, I don't know what's going on, but I'll tell you this. She was with me all day long. Like, whatever prank you guys are pulling on her, and by extension me, because I just want to put this stuff away, she was with me all day long. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. And so that was kind of the kibosh on that. Joey and Michelle were like, well, what was going on? But Becky says, Michelle, I need to talk to you outside. So the two girls step outside, and the dad goes about his business, and Joey just goes back upstairs to Michelle's bedroom. About ten minutes later, Joey's still waiting in Michelle's bedroom, and Michelle walks in. And she has this concerned look on her face. And Joey looks over, and he goes, hey, what, what's the matter? What did you guys talk about? Michelle goes, listen... When we told Becky that we searched everywhere for her, she asked, did you guys go into my bedroom? And we said, yeah, it was one of the first places we looked. Becky says, listen, it's very, very important. If you ever hear me call out your name and I'm not home, do not go into my bedroom. It's kind of a weird order, right? If you ever hear me call out your name and I'm not home, do not go into my bedroom. But Becky was firm on this. Do not go into my bedroom if you hear my voice calling out your name. Becky explained. Michelle, you know, in my bedroom, there's that hatch that leads into the attic. Right? There's that little hatch that you use to get up into that crawl space on top of the house. One night I was sleeping. I woke up in the middle of the night. Just bam, right out of deep sleep. I'm wide awake. And I look up. It's right above my bed. It's kind of the first thing I see. I look up and that hatchway was cracked open. That hatchway was cracked open and it was cracked open a pretty good amount. I see staring back down at me. My own face. My own face looking out from the darkness of the attic. This story ends with Joey saying, I'm not a believer in the paranormal, but this story has always stuck with me. You know, he was a frontline observer to the yelling. Like, he does have to say, well, it wasn't her. She was with the dad all day long. They did hear the voice. And then, you know, just the story from Becky saying that there's something in her room that looks like her. It's a terrifying story. He says that eventually the family, just a couple of years ago, they stayed there for a, a bit longer, but just a couple of years ago, that family moved out of that house. There's a new family in there. And he's always thought about asking them, asking them if they know, if they know any mimics, if they know any doppelgangers walking around. But he goes, listen, I don't want to be the weirdo knocking on someone's door talking about ghosts. That's not... Now, I would. That would actually be kind of cool, but he doesn't want that to be his reputation. But that's the story of 
The Demon in the Attic. That was actually what it was posted as, The Demon in the Attic. I would assume that the creature was demonic. He doesn't, when he says that they were saint worshippers, it's interesting because I don't know if they're Church of Satan worshippers, which is like more of a humanist religion. They just talk about Satan to troll Christians. Or they actually worshipped Satan. They worshipped Lucifer as an actual being that they're conducting these satanic rituals. He doesn't, most people don't differentiate between the two, but there is a pretty big difference between the two. So we don't know if they're actually worshiping Satan as a as a metaphysical being. But I mean, I can imagine if you were doing that, you're going to live in a pretty haunted house. I can imagine if you actually are giving up offerings to satanic creatures, demons and such. Yeah, you, you're going to have to expect... It's going to be haunted. But would you expect that there would be something hiding in the little loft above your daughter's bedroom that's slowly taking her form? And Joey has a good point. Like, is it still there? Was this thing trying to assume Becky's form? And you have to you have to ask a whole bunch of questions. Like, what would it have happened if it had perfectly mimicked her? Could it have been able to replace her? Could this creature have been able to replace Becky and no one be able to tell the difference? Is the real Becky dead somewhere? And now you have this doppelganger running around as soon as she see. Here's the thing. If you're going to be a mimic, probably don't be mimic like a high school student because then you have a bunch of homework to do. But imagine. Let's put on our conspiracy caps. Actually, that makes me think of something. Let's put on our conspiracy caps and wrap this up. Never mind. I was about to say something super insensitive. Take your conspiracy caps back on. No, never mind. Put them back on. So imagine if Becky was murdered. Imagine if this guy's daughter was murdered and replaced. Maybe it was devoured. Because if you murdered her, they'd find blood all over the bedroom. And you'd be like, that's weird, Becky. Yesterday you went to bed. You seemed totally fine. And now your bedroom is covered in blood and there's torn clothing everywhere. The mimic... The demon in the attic eats Becky. And then I'm just making stuff up. I might as well just make her fly around the room. This demon eats Becky and assumes Becky's form and now can perfectly mimic Becky. It no longer says things like it was an audio recording. If you were an old friend of Becky, you're like, hey, Becky, that was a cool game last night. And the mimic would go, yeah, I agree. It was totally awesome. And it would know exactly what they were talking about. And now you have this Becky demon. It looks exactly like Becky, acts exactly like Becky in high school. And it's like walking around and being like, uh, yeah, good, good game, guys. Good game, giving high fives to people. But then it's like, hey, guys, why don't you come over to my house later and we'll do crack cocaine. And people are like, what? Becky, that's totally unlike you. She's like, no, crack cocaine is totally cool. And so the kids are like, okay, that's a good argument, right? No one ever said crack cocaine was cool before. I will try it. And then you have Mimic Becky, like, getting kids addicted to crack. And then people are like, man, that really was a cool weekend. Party, do you have any more crack on you? And she goes, I have something better. Let's rob a bank. I heard that's cool, too. They're like, okay, if it's cool. What I'm getting at, what I'm getting at, and this this totally gone sideways, what I'm getting at is think about all the times there have been good kids, they've had good lives, you go to school with them, maybe 
you dated one of them. Everything seemed totally normal. And then one day they started doing drugs and robbing banks and talking about how cool crack cocaine was. You're like, you've changed. You've changed. What about all those stories where people were living their pretty decent lives and then all of a sudden they hit the skids? What if those people were actually demons? What if those people actually all curled out of the attic? Because well, otherwise, what's the point? What's the point of slowly shape-shifting into a teenage girl if you're not going to destroy people? Like, what would be the point of some creature in the darkness to slowly become Becky and learn how to say her voice and all that stuff, and all it wants to do is poke its head out of a wall and go peekaboo? No. If you think about the amount of time and energy it would take to shapeshift, forget the shapeshifting. How long would it take you to learn how to impersonate somebody's voice? Plus, live in an attic. Live in a place Jason can't pronounce. Um, well, that's easy. But then learn how to totally, perfectly talk like someone else. What would be the point if all you're going to do is stick your head out of a wall? No, you would want to do demonic things. You would want to do monstrous things. You would want to go out and rob banks and do crack. More, more likely, get other people to do those things. I don't know. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I, I. That's what I would do if I was a demon. I'd be constantly trying to drag people down. In the shape of somebody else. Because if, like, a demon was walking around, he's like, hey, kids, crack cocaine is cool. Actually, that would be pretty awesome, too. He's all flying around. <laughs> He just magically make crack cocaine appear in people's soft drinks. They're like, oh, I'm accidentally high and it feels great. I guess a demon probably would be more effective if it was like a monster walking down the street. Definitely be good at robbing banks. Because, you know, it's a demon. he just make money appear. You wouldn't have to rob a bank. Cut out the middleman. But anyways, the point is... what I guess my point is, what's the point of a mimic? Because they're, they're really entertaining. I like reading these stories. We've covered a couple of them on the show. They're becoming very, very common nowadays. Um, but, yeah, I just don't understand what the end goal would be. Is it just to be scary? Is it to devour people? Is it to ruin the souls of the innocent? I imagine the last one. But I could be wrong. Maybe they just want to be spooky. If that's the case, I mean, mission <laughs> accomplished, right? absolutely terrifying to come across but uh and i hope i hope my fictional version isn't real but again who knows that's how this episode ends it just ends with me going who knows but it's a fascinating story and a creepy story nonetheless probably shouldn't have probably shouldn't have laughed the last 10 minutes probably made it a little less creepy but uh that's just the way things fall out sometimes DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.